Welcome to a new edition of UAP Weekly. It's a new week and a new UAP Weekly. It's Stephen Diener here with you on the Unidentified Alien Podcast Weekly Edition on this special episode where I will be speaking one-on-one with a man who has kind of caused a stir over the past week or so, um, especially over the past week or so, I should say. He's been doing this investigation for a while now, and that's Ashton Forbes. Um, If you are familiar, which I'm sure you are at least casually, with the case of the Malaysian Airlines Flight 370, also known as MH370, which you'll hear us refer to it as in this episode. Um, It's a mysterious case of the missing Malaysian Airlines flight from March 8th, 2014, that has still not been conclusively solved to this day. And I mean, if you didn't hear, I did an episode on it myself uh, about, what, a month or two ago? And, you know, kind of dove deep into all the theories and everything on UAP. So... It's been something I've been interested in for a while, and a lot of people have been interested in and have had a lot of questions with it and a lot of theories as well. And I think um, you're going to find this conversation insightful between myself and Ashton Forbes. And we address some of the controversy and some of the things that have gone over over the past couple of weeks. I know a lot of people have strong feelings one way or the other about Ashton Forbes, and that's what I why I wanted to bring him on here for, to the show because you know I'm all about presenting you with the story and letting you make up your own mind. And why not have the man himself speak about his theories here today on UAP Weekly? So without further ado, let's go ahead and bring him on now. Let's not wait any longer. Ashton Forbes, really excited to talk to him. Thank you so much for coming on the show, Ashton. Um, I'm excited to have this conversation with you. I think it's going to be really good. Thank, thanks for coming on. Yeah, thanks, Stephen, for having me on here. I'm glad to be here and I'm glad to talk about the case. Yeah, so, you know, for myself, um, this is something I've covered a couple different times. Uh, I did like a main episode on MH370 on some of the main uh, theories behind it, which I know we'll, we'll cover here today, and we'll talk about your findings and your theories about it. So this is something I've been interested in since, what, March 8th of 2014, right? The, the day that MH370 went missing. Um, yep. So first off, what led you to kind of get into this this whole investigation what what brought you into this to kind of dig down deep into the rabbit hole like, like, like you have yeah well first of all i've always been pretty interested in just uh flight crashes and figuring out why they happened uh i've always had a little bit of fear of heights and flying and even though i've flown a lot uh so that's been kind of my primary motivation then i kind of got into the uap uh phenomenon back in 2017 when the dod released those navy videos mm. And I've seen lots and lots of videos online, but none that were as compelling as these videos were when they reemerged on August 8th, 2023 uh, on Reddit. And when I noticed that there was a second video, I actually remembered seeing, I believe, the thermal back in 2014 and just dismissing it like many people have. Mm. When I saw the second video that was in perfect synchronization with the first is when my interest really peaked up. And the point at which I became very invested in it was when uh, some very intelligent Redditors had looked into the videos and realized that what we were seeing here was a Citrix session on the satellite footage that was actually logged in to the actual Intel spy database. The reason why that's so important is that that type of proof essentially debunks most prosaic uh, debunks that would say, oh, this doesn't look right to me. Hmm. Because if we can prove that we're looking at an actual person who's logged into the Intel spy satellite database, then that means that what you see is pretty much relevant. Of course, certain effects could have been uh, adjusted, but that means that the overall base footage is real. 
And that's when I started to investigate. And as this investigation has gone on, realized that there is no visual effects on this. And what we're seeing here is somehow 100% authentic. Yeah, because this kind of goes back to, like you said, you know, those, those videos that came out. And the video was originally, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, was originally on YouTube uh, some years ago that was uploaded by a mystery user, if you will. No one really knows who that was or what happened to them since. And they just kind of went unnoticed for whatever reason. So why do you think they popped up all these years later and, you know, took off like they did that show what seemingly looks like, you know, this airplane being teleported by three orbs? Yeah, so the name of the person that uploaded them originally, the oldest version we can find on the Internet archives is by a registered non-account. Mm-hmm. And the first video's description says, received March 12th, 2014, which is only four days after the event. It says source protected on it. And this person's other sources usually say like email submission, things like that, which indicates that potentially they knew the person that leaked this to them was somebody who had classified information. Mm. Um, now, that wasn't released for about five weeks later, which seems to indicate that person had to be convinced themselves that what they were looking at was authentic. The reason for that is we have no basis to understand these videos to be real until maybe even 2023. The things that we needed to understand is those 2017 leaks from the DOD where we could see that FLIR IR footage from drones. We had no idea what that looked like beforehand. I certainly didn't. 2019, the Trump satellite leak that showed us what type of resolution capabilities were possible and what those IR low Earth orbit satellites look like. Um, That was very important to understand that this is actually satellite footage of what we're seeing here. And then stuff even more recently, we needed to understand that wormholes are theoretically possible, which there was three papers put out in in Popular Mechanics that I've read all three of them that indicate humanly traversable wormholes are within the bounds of physics, meaning you will go through a wormhole, appear somewhere else, and you will not die from the forces of gravity or the effects of the wormhole. Lastly, we needed to understand that AI, chat GPT is a real thing. In 2014, AI seemed like futurology. Now people are using it on a daily basis to solve complex problems, answer questions, what have you. And then superconductivity, LK99, which I believe has been suppressed, uh, but superconductivity will change the world. And superconductivity can explain why UAPs may float Um, It can explain our words as well in these images. So without a basis for all of these things, we would have no way to understand that these videos could actually be real and not science fiction. So, yeah, that makes sense. It's actually a really good um, way of putting it, you know, basically the science needed to catch up. Our understanding of these sciences kind of needed to catch up over the years for us to even comprehend what we were seeing on the video. So it's, it's intriguing. And it's, I was told... Uh, by one of my sources, Ashton. I don't know if you've ever heard this before, so I want to get your take on it. I was told that the video is real, um, but it wasn't MH370. Have you ever heard that theory before? And if so, does that does that shock you? Um, I think some people are trying to cast doubt on that, but the reality is this has to be MH370 for several reasons. The silhouette of the thermal is an exact match of the plane. The witness who saw the plane told me yesterday that the uh, shape of the plane is exactly what she saw. It's the only known missing 777-200. The regicide and non-account, the video that they put out there was just called airline abduction. Mm. But three days later, they made a Twitter post and they made a Twitter account, their first post on Twitter, which said, watch these videos before it's deleted. And in that, they tagged MH370. 
So this plane that we're seeing here based on the coordinates was on the exact flight path of MH370 at 1840 UTC. Mm. To me, this evidence is definitive. The plane that we are looking at here is MH370. In addition to that, we can tell from the color is consistent with Malaysian Airlines. It's light on the top and it's gray on the bottom. We can tell from the satellite footage that's somewhat consistent. So to me, there's no question that this plane is MH370. That seems to be the least controversial aspect of it. Okay. Why do you think, Ashton, just personally, why do you think you're getting so much blowback? Why do you think there are people who are kind of, you know, trying to put you down really on social media? And I've been victim of that as well. So I understand how that feels. Um, you know, people try to put you down. They call you all these different names. They accuse you of, you know, making things up or whatever it might be. Is, is there a level of just animosity out there that you feel that people just try to tear you down? Or do you think that people just really don't believe you and they don't want you saying things that they don't think are true? It's, I would say, partially animosity. I mean, if you look at it, when you start getting the personal attacks and people stop trying to attack the evidence, that's very telling, right? Is mm. that It means that people can't actually refute anything you're saying. They just want to try to discredit you. And to me, if they're, these videos are real, they come with a very real disinformation campaign that's been keeping them secret for over nine years. And I think that disinformation campaign works against other videos as well, not as effectively as, or maybe more effectively than they are working against these videos because we have two of them. But the idea is that they discredit the person instead of trying to discredit the evidence, right? Yeah. So partially I would say it's animosity, but partially there's a very real aspect to this where the government is still to this day trying to keep them secret. Um, in addition to that, I think that for many people, they're too hard to believe, you know, so even for people that are in the UFOlogy sphere, what I would say, too, is from having been in a lot of spaces and kind of now been listening and to people that are in the UFOlogy space, I was never part of the community before this. Um, people all have their own personal experiences, and I think that they feel like their personal experiences are under attack when people present evidence that might be counter to what they believe is real. Mm. Um, so I think that all of these things combined can kind of explain why people are so hesitant and so willing to attack me as opposed to the evidence. Now for me, I don't care how many people hate me or whatever, that's of no consequence to me whatsoever. My only goal is getting to the truth of these videos, which I know them to be authentic at this point based on the evidence alone that is all publicly available. Um, and I'm going to proceed forward and ignore everybody that uh, tries to put us down. Can you, and I know we, we touched on a little bit, you know, some of the technicalities, so forgive me for asking you to repeat some things here, but in layman's terms, Ashton, for anybody who isn't really familiar with, you know, the, the scientific technicalities of all these things with the satellite imaging and the abbreviations and things like that, can you put in the layman terms why you full-heartedly believe, based off of your research that you've done now for a while on MH370, why you believe these videos are real of these three orbs essentially teleporting the aircraft? Yeah, so not only do we have two videos that are in perfect synchronization with no errors whatsoever from a graphical perspective, we have a witness, KT, that corroborates the events. Uh, we have a satellite that we have identified as USA 229 that was in the right location at the same time KT, the witness, saw it at 1840 UTC. This is consistent with the flight path of MH370. This is the location where the plane supposedly turned into the South Indian Ocean, mm. which simply did not happen. Instead, what happened is our videos. We also can, at this point, explain the situation as being an emergency event that was caused by a lithium-ion battery fire, and that made this plane to be in a doomed situation where it not only could it not land, but it couldn't even emergency land in the ocean without everyone dying, which presents enough incentive for the government to potentially protect and, and uh, save this plane. Um, the downside there is that you know, they took a huge risk in doing that, and then we found these videos. 
And the reason why they then had to cover up the official story, because a lithium-ion battery fire is not something you would need to cover up, mm. is because of the fact that they deployed this technology that was unknown. They couldn't release the truth, because if they did, people would be able to figure out, okay, well, if this plane was on fire, where did it go? Why didn't it crash somewhere? There's no debris field anywhere. That necessitated the cover-up. And that's why they had to come up with this fake story that this plane crashed somewhere mysteriously in the South Indian Ocean, thousand miles away from where what this event really occurred. Yeah, I was actually going to ask you about that. Some of the, you know, different opinions, uh, dissenting opinions, if you will, on what happened to this flight. Like you mentioned, the lithium-ion battery kind of theory of, you know, the plane just burning up with all these batteries on board. Um, or the theory of disgruntled pilot. What do you make of some of that stuff, you know, when it comes to the disgruntled pilot or the plane just going off a radar and disappearing completely? I mean, have, have you seen in other cases that something like that is possible? Yeah, the suicide pilot theory is just complete myth. Um, in every situation where there's a suicide pilot, they've crashed a plane pretty much instantly. Mm. You know, the German wings pilot crashed into a mountain. They weren't flying around for eight hours before they crashed it. They're not running the fuel out. That's I don't think there's ever been a scenario where a suicidal pass run the whole fuel out. Yeah. The big risk, right, is that the, the passengers are going to break into the cockpits and you know take that control, which is what happened on 9/11 with United Airlines Flight 93. Right. right. It took them almost no time. So I would say that in a suicidal scenario, they would crash. Everybody has supported the pilot, his wife, his um, the officials. All the officials have ruled out any type of pilot suicide scenario. Um, there's essentially his coworkers as well. Also, he's a great guy. There's no indication in the flight path that this was a suicidal scenario. Mm. There's every indication that it was an emergency event. The pilot flies directly back to the nearest airport that can accommodate a 777 in emergency, which is Penang Lakawi International Airport. Um, there were some other smaller airports that most likely would not have been suitable to be able to land. And instead, if you read the Wired article about the simplest solution is the best, which actually indicated that it might be a fire, surprisingly enough, mm. they make the strong argument that what the pilot did is 100% consistent with an emergency event. And it's none of it's consistent with any type of suicide. They tried to say that these flight paths on his uh, custom simulator were somehow indicative of this happening. That is actually completely untrue. Those uh, coordinates are actually from, I believe, February 3rd, 2014. He was scheduled to fly MH150 to Jeddah on February 4th, 2014, which is consistent with that those coordinates. The only thing that's even close is a couple diversion points that were plotted that indicate like somewhere near the South Pole or the South Indian Ocean. The guy loved to fly. He mm-hmm. even was on a similar amount of time. Most likely he just wanted to you know, fly out to the you know South Pole or just have some fun, right? Much more uh, likely than this idea that he was planning a suicide route. Yeah, it's 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 wild. I mean, it's something that has captivated people for over nine years now, coming up to 10 years. And, you know, there's been talk of possible debris found, like washing up on the coast of Australia, things like that. What do you make of that when you hear about possible debris that that washed up? Well, the first and most important part is that there was no debris field ever found for this plane, which is impossible if a 777 crashes into the ocean. It's going to leave a debris field visible from space for days. Mm. We've already shown there's satellites everywhere that would have found it. The location where they say it crashed is on an active shipping route. There's no witnesses that saw a plane, no debris field. The official search was the largest, most expensive search in history, and it didn't find one single piece of the plane. Right. This is part of the reason why so many people develop conspiracy theories, because very smart people like Jeff Wise and Florence Changi realized that this isn't possible. Something else must have occurred. But this debris did wash up. Interestingly enough, this is consistent with the lithium-ion battery fire scenario. 
is that this plane is falling apart and on fire from an uncontrollable fire that is being partially suppressed by the fire suppression devices, but can't be permanently suppressed, then parts of this plane may have fallen off while it's flying around. One of those pieces of debris, at least one, had burn marks on it, which has been dismissed as resin, doesn't really make any sense. Um, so in my mind, the debris is wholly consistent with the events that we see in these videos. So let's say, Ashton, that, you know, you're presented, you need to testify before Congress mm -hmm. and, you know, swear an oath kind of like we saw with the UAP hearings, right? You go up there and you testify and they say, Ashton, under oath in front of Congress, tell us what you think happened. What is your answer? Yeah, I would say that at 1721, roughly 50 minutes after the plane flew, took off, the plane went dark due to an emergency event, most likely due to this lithium ion battery fire with a potential explosion. And the reason for that is there was at least nine witnesses that were on the coast that heard a loud bang and reported that. Uh, Mike McKay was on an oil rig and he saw a plane on fire. People have falsely reported his sighting and seen the plane crash. He consistently says he did not see the plane crash, but he did see the plane on fire, which may have been the early point in which those lithium batteries ignited. Now, if there was oxygen that was exposed uh, to the plane at that point, that may have caused then a significant enough minor explosion to take out the power generators and make this plane go dark. Uh, this plane then flies back across the Malaysia and goes directly to Penang at Langkawi International Airport, where there are two fishermen that see it 10 minutes after it happens at about 1730 UTC, flying very low. They said it was very odd. So presumably this was at about 10,000 feet. The reason for that would be that this plane likely did get depressurized from this uh, explosion mm. that potentially happened on the plane. And if that's the case, in order to keep the passengers alive, you need to fly low enough that there's oxygen, which is below 10,000 feet. So this is consistent with this event. Now, when it gets to Penang, it can't land. For whatever reason, it's not safe. Maybe it's too late. The airport's shut down because it's 2 a.m. local time. So then it keeps going forward. I would speculate that there was some communication that happened that with the U.S. government. The U.S. government is not losing a rogue 777 in a post-9-11 world. Hmm. So they likely communicated instead of a rendezvous point, which is the Nicobar Islands location. So it flew past Penang, goes to the Nicobar Islands location where KT is on a boat and sees this glowing orange plane. The reason why she sees the glowing orange plane with no navigation lights is because that fire had broken containment. The halon gas chemical reaction has released a chemical that's caused the orange glow and the chemical gas is spread out through the entire plane. Therefore, she's seeing this orange glowing plane, whereas these other witnesses had only seen fire or the beginning of it. She reported that she saw this plane descending and she saw the plane going counterclockwise over the duration of her five minute sighting, consistent with the counterclockwise turn we see in the videos. Hmm. So at this point, this plane is, there's an intercepted communication that was only reported in Chinese news that claims that at 2.43 a.m., which if you convert that to Malaysian time would be 18.43 UTC, similar to our time that we have, reported that the pilot was attempting an emergency landing and that the plane was disintegrating. The problem with this plane trying to land into the ocean is that landing in the ocean is not the same as landing in the Hudson River. If you try to land in the ocean with these big waves, this plane is gonna fall apart. Even under a controlled landing, it's gonna fall apart to many pieces. And it's 2 a.m. or 2.40 a.m., and it's pitch black dark. The moon's not up, the sun's not up. There's no light whatsoever. So most of these passengers would die just from that and drowning. In addition to that, about 70% of the passengers were Chinese nationals, and most mainland Chinese people do not learn how to swim. So very likely, if this plane crashed into the ocean, everyone was gonna die. Mm. 
So the U.S. government, in my opinion, uh, you know, would have saved these passengers. They deployed this technology to save these passengers in some way. Perhaps what we're seeing here is capable of putting out that lithium-ion battery fire. The fire extinguishing devices cannot permanently put out a lithium-ion battery fire, which is why there were so many instances before this of planes burning up and, and people dying on these. If you go Google it, you will find them. And in 2015, a year after this, the FAA changed the regulations so that lithium-ion batteries cannot be stored in the cargo bay of passenger planes anymore, presumably due to the huge risk of these types of events happening. So they deployed this technology, saved these passengers, or at least some of them. And I want to be very clear here that I don't want to give the family, the families of the victims any false hope, is that due to the fact of depressurization, that there would be a fire on board, the also likelihood of sur survival here is uncertain. So it could be that these many of these passengers still died um, so we can't say for sure exactly what happened to them, um, but we, I think that with high degree of confidence that this was an emergency event scenario uh, triggered by that lithium-ion battery fire. And the reason then for the cover-up is because you can't tell people the truth about this if you deploy some technology that is previously unknown to the public. Mm. So your theory is, and that's it's really fascinating stuff, I appreciate you putting it all out there. Um, Essentially, what your theory is then, the videos that we've seen with the three orbs, I mean, I know a lot of you have seen this video, it went all over social media the past two or three months or so, that these orbs that we saw were not otherworldly, that these were secret reverse engineered tech, if you will, from the U.S. government that was sent out to, I mean, are we seeing teleportation in, in your opinion? Is that what we're seeing from secret U.S. Yeah. tech? I mean, at first, honestly, like a lot of people, I, the video was too hard for me to believe. Yeah. And then after I realized that they were real, I thought, this is so weird and incredible. It has to be non-human intelligence. But as you dig into the videos, the intents, the flight path, everything that went on with it, I think you can present a comprehensive case that this is actually our technology. Hmm. The main argument would be when you're looking at the footage right away, they're filming the, the plane before the orbs even appear. The orbs are going at about Mach 3. They have no problem catching up to this plane. So they weren't chasing the plane. The people that were filming this seem to have known something's about to happen. They're filming it both in this satellite IR, false color IR, as well as they're filming it uh, on this drone that had to have intercepted the plane. To me, this shows a huge amount of intent. They were filming this with intent on knowing what was going to happen, which would indicate that this is somehow our technology that's been reverse engineered. And as I've shown in my most recent science pieces, all this technology can be explained by science, like wholly explained by science. Whereas maybe nine years ago, it would have seemed like so far advanced or futuristic that it had to be some type of non-human intelligence. And then with respect to what's happening in this zap, I, we've kind of had three different uh, possibilities. And I was incorrect in my first initial assessment many weeks ago as well, that I thought this must be an annihilation event. The plane is being dematerialized. But the problem with that is Einstein's equation of E equals MC squared which tells us that if this was an annihilation event, there would be so much energy released from the mass of this huge plane that it would destroy part of the planet. It would be a much bigger hmm. event than what we see. So we can rule out annihilation. Now, the other possibility would be cloaking, right? Stealth technology. But even if you were able to cloak and mask all of the electromagnetic signatures so that in both of our videos we see nothing, you would still see that smoke that's behind the plane. Right? And that would still be going forward. But in our videos, the moment the zap happens, the smoke is gone as well. So we can rule out pretty conclusively that it's not cloaking technology. It's not a magic trick. That only leaves one possibility, teleportation, wormhole. And as we've shown from the popular mechanics uh, science pieces, 
humanly traversable wormholes are within the bounds of theoretical physics. Surprisingly, it's not something I even knew about before I dug into this investigation. I knew that quantum teleportation was real. I did not realize that there was so much supporting evidence for actual wormholes and um, the teleportation itself. Really fascinating stuff, man. And, and, you know, you obviously put a lot of work into this for anybody um, who's listening and thinking, well, you know, how, how does he know all this? Is it basically just research? That, I mean, your own time that you've put into this to kind of uncover all these different little facets of the story? Yeah, I mean, pretty much, you know, so I have a normal job, but on my side, pretty much most of my waking hours have been going into investigating this. Um, it started with a community-led investigation, for sure, from the community, um, until that essentially got shut down by social media, and they quarantined people off, stopped having people talk about it. And from there, I've kind of picked up the ball and ran with it. And there's been several cases where we, you know, the case is broken wide open, one of them being identifying the location being the Nicobar Islands. That was extremely important because then we were able to identify the satellite being there at the right time, which corroborates the timing of our event. Then we found KT, the witness, and her timing of the event, seeing the plane in the Nicobar Islands, matched that as well. Then we found out the glowing orange plane. I was wondering, why is this plane glowing orange? Could it be related to the orbs, something mm -hmm. else? And the big break there was finding out that the gas from the halon gas and these fire extinguishing devices can cause the plane to glow orange. And there was actually a B-77 fire extinguishing device that washed up in the Maldives a few weeks later that even has serial numbers on it, was not investigated at all. Maldives was actually intentionally excluded from the investigation, which is very weird. Mm. So, you know, when you look at the total investigation and how it's proceeded, it started as from the community, and I kind of picked up the ball with it and have run with it since then to the point where I now where I've kind of built my own conclusions and theory of what happened to this plane, which I believe is supported by all the videos, um, over 10 witnesses, um, and a ton of evidence. Um, so much so that we would have to create probably like three different documentaries to uh, get it all within there compared to the existing Netflix one. Yeah, and it's interesting you bring up the point because that was one of my big uh, contentions with this was, well, how what were these drones? There was two drones, right, that caught, if I'm not mistaken, there were two drones that caught the footage? So there's one drone and then we have the satellite. Satellite, so okay. So the false color IR is going to be our satellite, which we've proven is 3D stereoscopic, meaning we can create a 3D video from it that would you'd be able to wear the red and blue glasses and you can actually see the 3D effect. There's a clear and proven parallax effect, meaning that this is two cameras from different angles looking down. There's only a few satellites that could have that configuration, and they seem to be mostly these NOS, Naval, Naval Ocean Surveillance Satellites. And we were very quickly able to pinpoint from amateur trajectories that this is USA 229 that's sending this data to create this video. The other one is an MQ-1C Great Eagle. Um, and that system, we've proven that if you look up SIGINS payload, the first hit you'll find is the MQ-1C Great Eagle. There's a black vault fire that shows that these uh, systems usually operate in triplicate, so that these systems are interconnected, creating a network that allows this data to be transmitted, where then presumably someone can, they can create this 3D battlefield awareness map that we see in our satellite video that allows a user to have battlefield awareness of what's going on from a very wide field of view. And then what we're seeing is a cropped version of that. So we have two different angles, one from the drone and one from a spy satellite that's 1,100 kilometers in the sky. Hmm. And there's actually two satellites that are next to each other in the same trajectory and orbit. Um, and so this to me is more proof, more evidence than we've ever had of any UAP videos in maybe the history of the world. Yeah, because that was, again, you know, one, one of my things was, and you talk about proof, 
how were these things in position, right? In that very moment, it was just, did they get lucky that the, we had a drone flying out there, that the satellite happened to be pointing when, when, when we saw these things happening, you know, with this, with this airplane? So it makes more sense that they were pointed there on purpose because the U.S. government knew what was about to take place. It's, it's a very interesting theory, Ash, and it's something that, um, you know, again, I was having trouble reconciling myself so when you put it that way, it does make sense. I mean, I'm not going to lie. It makes sense that that's why it would be pointing there because they knew what was about to happen. So they want to, they're filming it, right? I mean, they, they want to get everything recorded. Yeah. And if you watch my interview, first video interview podcast I did with Tony Merkel of the confessionals, you'll see that I still was uncertain at that point. I was trying to reconcile, is this some type of espionage scenario that had intent or was this some type of emergency event scenario related to the UAPs? Where they were just in the right spot at the right time magically and i had a very hard time believing that they happened to operationalize this drone to get in the right spot that's much slower than the plane and that the satellite was there looking at the exact right location at the right. right time and the way i was able to reconcile this is as i just mentioned is that it's it wasn't espionage and it wasn't necessarily non-human intelligence the combination though is that it was an emergency event where they were reacting to that they had an hour and 20 minutes it was enough time to operationalize those assets and they weren't just lucky you know, they actually were there and had it uh, planned out. So now the question becomes, where did they go? Right. If people yeah. say, all right, well, all right, you got me. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm convinced it was teleported. <laughs> yeah. These three orbs, it was U.S. government technology that we can't even fathom yet that teleported this airplane. Where did they go? Now, there are some theories behind that. But I want to ask you first, where do you where do you put MH370 after yeah. it was? you know, I guess, supposedly teleported in that moment? Yeah, well, I think, first of all, the options, right, is did this go to another dimension? Did this go to another point of the universe? Did this go to the future, which is possible from time dilation if they traveled very far? Or did this just go somewhere else on Earth, right? I think that the most likely scenario is it went somewhere else on Earth. And if you look at where people have suspected this plane went, um, they all suspect they're at the same location, is that historically all the conspiracy theories related to it said this plane went to Diego Garcia military base. Right, the exactly. The reason for that is that this is a large military base that can easily hide it. It's not open to commercial aircraft. You know, and digging into this base, it's a very secretive base. Like about 20% of all Space Force is located at this base. Yeah, I was about to say, if you yeah. could, Ashton, could you paint it? Because uh, Diego Garcia was where I was actually going with it. So I thought okay. you would probably point there as well. Um, can you explain a little bit what what is this base? Because I think people hear Diego Garcia and it's kind of like, you know, we've heard of Area 51. We've even heard of Area 52 in some cases. And Diego Garcia is like one of those mysterious things where people say, well, what is that? I mean, why why, why should that be mysterious? Yeah, there's a black vault fire that shows that it used to be a CIA black site. And they transferred prisoners there, at least. So seems to indicate that there's some type of underground facility uh, at this place. There's a huge amount of construction contracts with the black construction, Lockheed Martin, for development of advanced construction on the facility, even though from the surface there's very little changes. Um, it's reported that this base has radar capabilities that can see 3,000 kilometers away. Hmm. Uh, there are hydrophones on this base that would have heard a plane crash into the ocean, um, similar to how the Navy heard the Titan sub pop with the SOSA system. So that, again, helps rule out that plane crashing scenario. Um, everything I'm hearing about this base is this base is more important than Area 51. So I don't know any exact specifics about what's going on there, 
but it seems like it's in the perfect location to be hidden, right? Like it's not a place where people can go to at all. Um, and if anything's going on there, you know, maybe they're testing this type of technology around there, right? Because it's so secluded that no one would be able to get a good uh, view of it. The only reason why I can come up with why you would teleport a plane is to hide the plane, right? Um, in this scenario, it may be also as well to put out that fire. But when you teleport it, I mean, how do you know where it's going to appear? We still haven't been able to figure that out um, from even the science perspective. Uh, there was a sighting uh, roughly 50 miles north on one of these small islands where it was early in the morning and they saw Malaysian Airlines Flight 370 so clearly that they could see the windows, they could see the blue and white stripe on the plane, yeah. and again, flying low, low enough that this would be a situation where they're trying to keep the passengers alive so that they can breathe. Um, so there's a lot of evidence that points to this base potentially being the spot, as well as the Philip Wood exit data picture that was posted on 4chan, which a lot of people question, well, why would you post on 4chan? And, and then that comes along with this disinformation campaign is that if you try to post this on Reddit or even old Twitter, it's going to get deleted by the government within minutes. Hmm. So there could be a very strong argument that 4chan is an anonymous board that is, you know, resistant to that type of influence. And that might have been one of the only locations where you could post that type of information. The exit data picture on it points to that Diego Garcia military base. This was attempted to be debunked by the same people that have tried to debunk our videos. And we've rebunked that. We've shown that that picture has no inconsistencies that would indicate that it's been tampered with whatsoever. So there's a lot of evidence that points to this base being the location where this plane ended up. Yeah, I, I think you're referring to, um, like you said, there, there was this one particular picture where someone had left a message and said that, you know, they were at this base and they were on the airplane. And a lot of people said that was fake. But you're saying that you you think that was actually the case and it points to Diego Garcia, which, by the way, is more of like an atoll, I suppose you could say. Um, it's very small island out. Where, where do we place this out? Basically in the Pacific, right? In the area. In the Indian, it's in the Indian ocean. Okay. So in it's Indian on ocean. a ridge out there, which, you know, I'd like to know more about this ridge out there. Cause if you look at it, it looks like these tiny little islands kind of spout up out of there. It used to be a UK owned location and right. they leased it out, I believe to the United States to build this giant base. They ended up, um, dislocating or moving, uh, relocating, several thousand uh, natives that, of that island, which even now is uh, very highly contested because people believe that, you know, they shouldn't have relocated them. So there's a lot of indications that there's something very important about this location and this base. Yeah, and it's, look, you can look it up. If you never heard of Diego Garcia before, you think that, you know, just throwing this out there to make an interesting story. It's a real place. It's very secretive. Uh, the families of the military members who are there aren't even allowed there. So it's... You know, it's very need-to-know basis, uh, Diego Garcia. So that's why I think, and again, given the location, if you're going to have some type of secret tech that's being used, it would make sense if you're going to have a teleportation scenario that it would go there to Diego Garcia. Is there anything else that points to Diego Garcia being, I guess you could say, the landing point, if you will, of, of a teleportation event? Uh, probably only the fact that seems like there's a lot of people trying to say to not talk about this base, uh, that Mark Dugain uh, presumed that this is where it had gone, and there's reports that he was contacted by intelligence to stop looking into it. Um, you know, I've personally seen, I, I can't speak to the credibility of them, but various reports that have basically mentioned that we shouldn't be talking about the base very much, that it's one of the most closely guarded secrets of the U.S. government. So um, really a lot of it's circumstantial, of course, but I think the Philip Wood exit data picture is one of the strongest pieces in addition to the eyewitness testimony. 
Yeah, and I mean, I can confirm, too, through uh, military contacts who have reached out to me about Diego Garcia that it is the real deal. And obviously, anonymously, they've reached out and said, yeah, you're you're dead on about that because it is something that I kind of dug into myself. I'm like, boy, this place is spooky. Like, there's <laughs> there's some weird stuff going on there. Um, I want to bring up one more theory, Ashton. Again, I appreciate your time yeah. doing this today and, you know, kind of running through all these theories and details that, that you've been able to uncover. Um, there was a theory out there that's, why would they go out of their way to, to save this plane, right? What, what would it be, aside from just security or anything like that, who would be on the plane that would make them yeah. want to save the passengers or the plane itself and teleport it to a secret military installation, essentially? And there's a theory yeah. out there that says there were four scientists on that plane who basically had this patent technology that they were working with uh, through Texas Instruments and the Carlisle Group who, if you're not sure what those are, you can look those up. And the Carlisle Group has a, a lot of uh, standing in, you know, in, in the world, as, as, so to speak. And they had this patent technology that's um, in connection with the Carlisle Group that would allow this, this type of aerosol spray, if you will, to be sprayed and essentially use nanorobot technology that people would, you know, breathe in this aerosol spray, like almost like a Lysol type of spray, a disinfectant. And you, there would be these tracking devices within the spray. And these, these scientists were on that flight. That's a theory. Again, you know, you can make of it what you will. You can say it sounds crazy and then I'm w- way out there far-fetched. But that's something that people brought up because, and by the way, Carlisle Group got the patent by themselves because those other four guys were presumed dead. So all that money goes to the Carlisle Group. Is there anything in there, Ashton, that would say that's why they would go so far out of the way to use highly secret technology to teleport this plane and save it. So I've got good news and bad news for you. Okay. The bad news is I don't find that to be credible and I don't think that's enough of a reason. I don't think money is even enough of a reason to do something like this. Uh, from looking into that line, that angle of approach, that's not really how patents work. Those patents are actually owned by Freescale. They're not owned by the individuals. So it's a little bit of misinformation the way that it's been presented in general. Um, and really the real motive, however, the good news is that there were 20 freescale semiconductor scientists on board this plane, which is too many people for one company. Most companies have rules that you can't have this many people on board a plane just for this exact reason in case they go missing. Mm. I want my previous podcast with Chris from the not so deep podcast. He actually worked for freescale when this happened. These were very important people. So to me, if freescale semiconductors had produced and created superconductivity, uh, which is not a stretch in my mind, they might actually be related to the technology that we see in this video. And that would be enough of a motive to save them. Previously, I'd presume that that would be enough motive to steal them from going to China if they were bringing their intellectual property to China. But it would also be enough motive to save them if they were producing advanced weapons, advanced technology for the United States government as well. To me, that's a much bigger, stronger motive and explanation for why you would deploy this technology compared to some patent that um, you know has... Uh, some type of a monetary value. Yeah, it's really interesting stuff because that would have to be the case, right? There has to be something there that would, mm-hmm. you know, why? It would answer the question of, well, hey, boss, there's this plane that's on fire out in the Indian Ocean. Can we go save it? Well, why? Well, so-and-so is on the plane. So there has to be a reason there. It's not going to be out of the kindness of their heart, right? I mean, there has to be a reason that you would deploy this type of technology, bring it to a secret military installation, as you know, your your theory states. So it's yeah. fascinating stuff, Ashton. Go ahead. 
Yeah, and, and my next piece is going to be called Veritas. So I'm going to dig more into that too, in terms of the motive and, and that. And I think I'm kind of giving you a sneak peek right there as well. Um, but I think it'll be pretty uh, mind blowing and explosive from that perspective. Uh, and I think that again, you know, why would you even cover up a lithium ion battery fire if that's the explanation, right? It's such a simple explanation. But they went so, so far to discredit all these witnesses and claim that they all didn't see what they saw. They created this fictional scenario of blaming the pilot. They created this fictional scenario of this plane crashing into the South Indian Ocean, which is not possible based on the hydrophone data, the SOSA system. None of these detected any acoustic um, crashes, which they would had to have detected if they had. So the only reason why you would hide and cover up something so mundane is that you deployed this technology that is classified and previously unknown to the public, in my mind. Well, and it goes back to, to the UAP issue as a whole, in, you know, in my opinion, where the old discredit campaign, right? You try to discredit and yeah. tell somebody that they're crazy. You tell witnesses, no, you didn't see what you saw. It's kind of been the playbook for about 70 or 80 years now. So I, I can't say it would surprise me, you know, if, if, if that's the case. I got to tell you, Ashton, it seems like you're onto something. Um, and I, I hope that we can keep up on it. Do you, do you have any other final thoughts before we uh, end here today on, on UAP Weekly on this really fascinating conversation? Oh, I mean, I just want to thank you, Stephen, for having me on and, you know, spreading the word about the videos. As we've kind of talked through, there's clearly a campaign to try to keep them silent, to discredit me and anyone else who saw the plane and has been reporting on it in general and in the videos. Um, so I think it's vitally important that people are talking about it, getting the word out there, because that's how we will be able to beat that. And as you can see from the growing following that I've had, the evidence speaks for itself. You know, I'm not out here trying to convince people what to believe. I'm simply presenting the evidence telling them my personal opinions of it, being as honest and open as I can. And those people are finding the evidence, the open-minded people that are looking at it are finding the evidence so credible that they want to follow along very closely. And we build a strong following, and we will continue to do that until the point where this information becomes uh, self-evident and undeniable. And at that point, hopefully the U.S. government will tell the truth about what happened, because they're the only ones that can tell us for sure what's going on in these videos, where the plane went, what happened to the passengers. And we can only speculate. Yeah, no, that that's that's right. And I appreciate that outlook, too, as far as because I, I have the same outlook as well. It's kind of how I present uh, the show as a whole for UAP is, you know, you make up your own mind. Here's the details. Here's what's going on. Here's what's being said. And you make up your own mind. So I think that's a good way to approach it. You just present what you have found in on, and on your own free time, really. Um, wh one last question. And this is more theoretical than anything before we go here today. And it's popped into my head and I wanted to throw it out sure. there. What about for the people who talk about, well, it could be U.S., you know, secret U.S. tech, or it could be more indication that we are working in conjunction with UAP, that if we, yeah. you know, had this secret operation with UAP to say, hey, please send out your, your craft and get this airplane for us. Yeah, and again, I'm not telling people what to believe. Um, I think that the reason, I just don't like complicated scenarios and, and explanations, you know, like a simple explanation. So it feels like we're adding more dynamics to play there that we don't need. And the issue is there's not really any evidence for it. Now, if you have this comprehensive body where you are certain that that's going on in the background, then I can I can understand why you feel very uh, you know opinionated in that belief. Uh, but for me, you know, the issue is uh, you know how they're filming the intent related to it, and that we can explain this with science that we know as of today in 2023. Um, that, so to me, in my mind, you know, it, it indicates the U.S. government reverse engineering program. And again, what they're, the bad news is that for people that really want this to be non-human intelligence, you know, I feel like, you know, 
they may feel like I'm not on their side, but the reality is that I can't see how we could have this technology without a reverse engineering program. So to me, this indicates what David Grush, whistleblower who spoke and testified in front of Congress mentioned and that he can't speak in further detail because it's an NDA. The good news is these videos are public. So everything I've been exposing is public information. So we can corroborate his testimony with this information. These may be the most important uh, disclosure videos in the history of the world. Wow. I guess, yeah. You know, when you, when you put it into terms like that, it um, kind of makes you think, doesn't it? It's kind of an eye opener. But on a different note, let, I got to bring up something else to you as well. There was a little controversy, uh, you know, I guess throughout this past week or so, um, as you know, as we're speaking here today, when it came to some screenshots you put up of conversations and things like that, and some people came after you. Why do you think that caused such a reaction as far as, you know, you putting up some of these conversations you were having with people behind the scenes? Well, yeah, I think that there's a big campaign to try to discredit people related to the UAP phenomenon, related to reverse engineering technology phenomenon. And, you know, from various conversations that I've had, you know, I, I've been untrustworthy of specific people in general. So I think that their intent is to try to discredit me as a person. But the difficulty there will be that, you know, I have this U.S. top secret government clearance, meaning that the government has vetted my background into extreme detail and so proven you, that I am a credible person that is trustworthy. You actually do have a, a, a government clearance and a top secret clearance. Yeah, I'm you a do. contractor. I can't speak in detail in terms of my contract uh, situation just due to my not having a media clearance. Um, I don't have any secret knowledge about UAPs or anything reverse engineering. Everything we've been disclosing is publicly available information, which is the beauty of it. There's no NDAs that's keeping us from talking about this information. The reason why I chose to be the person spearheading this is because I do have that clearance, which makes me a highly credible person, if not impossible to impeach in terms of anything related to anything that might have been in my background. Um, so stuff that people may be finding is most likely going to be untrue or simply stuff that's not really relevant to the situation whatsoever. Yeah, really well said, Ashton. I appreciate your perspective on all this. And how really, I appreciate how you approach it, too, you know, because it is that that approach that, that again, I do myself, which is I'm going to lay it out for you and tell me what you think, you know. So I, I appreciate that approach and your perspective on all this and your hard work on it. How do people find you, Ashton? How do they follow along with your work as you continue to dive yeah. into this? Well, our subreddit got mysteriously banned with no explanation. I appealed and it took seven days for them to respond. And then they made me appeal again and gave me no answer. And then they responded <laughs> back and said that they were not going to uh, appeal our ban and they wouldn't give me an explanation for why. Incredible. So right now, the only way you can follow us is on Twitter, which is at JustXAshton. Um, and you can find all of my reporting there. If you go through my highlights, you'll be able to follow the case reverse chronologically from the start to the, fin to the beginning. I haven't deleted um I've only deleted one piece that was uh, about a military person that I will repost soon, but you can follow the thought process and the story of the investigation, how it's progressed, and how we've gotten to the point where we are today. Yeah, good stuff, Ashton. Thanks again for joining us here on UAP Weekly, and uh, well, hopefully we can keep in touch, Ashton, as time goes on, because I think um, we are far from a case-closed type of scenario here when it comes to the disappearance and the investigation of MH370. And I'm sure you're going to continue to do work and uncover things, and there's going to be more said on all angles, on all different sides about this story and about this investigation. So hopefully we can uh, keep up in the future as more continues to develop. Sounds good. Thanks a lot for having me, Stephen. I appreciate it. All right. Ashton Forbes here on UAP Weekly. Thank you. Well, there he was, Ashton Forbes. Uh, thanks again for joining. And... Hopefully it sheds some light for you, you know, one way or the other, if you think that he's full of it or if you think, wow, you know, I never thought about some of those scenarios before, some of those points before and maybe opened up some new horizons for you. Either way, 
I hope you enjoyed that interview, and I hope that you found it educational in one way or the other, just depending on where you fall with this whole discussion. Um, and with Ashton, like I said at the, at the beginning, and, and he knows. I mean, it's no secret he's found himself to kind of be, you know, a, um, I guess, not divisive, but everybody has their own opinions, right? Everybody has opinions, and there are people who have certain opinions about Ashton and what he's doing and what he's saying, so... It is what it is. I mean, people have opinions about me. People don't like me. So, I mean, that's just the way it goes. Everybody has their outlook on things. So that's why I always feel like, again, it's important to at least get together and have the discussion and then go from there and make up your own mind, which is always what we do here on UAP. So thank you so much for listening here today. There's a lot more to come here coming up in the, the near future. Some exciting things I think on the horizon, uh, more interviews, more episodes. Episode 75 is in the works. So that milestone episode there, we got some new music, which I hopefully think you will like. Some new, uh, I guess, you know, intro music, some new outro music that we're going to be putting in there to, uh, I guess, you know, mark the milestone of 75 episodes moving forward with that new music. Hopefully you like it. Might take some getting used to, but I really like it. Um, I picked it up myself, so I should like it. Other than that, though, thank you again for everything, for listening to this and all the episodes of UAP. Please continue to download and subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts on Apple, Spotify, all the major streaming services. You can also follow the show if you're not already at UA Podcast 850 on Twitter. That's at UA Podcast 850. A lot of updates on there. I post you know, snippets of episodes and things like that. Um, you could also write me messages there. I always try to reply. As well as on sdeaneruap at gmail.com is the email address where you can send me messages. And I always try to get back to everybody as well. S-D-I-E-N-E-R-U-A-P at gmail.com. Uh, if you'd like to send me an email on anything that's on your mind, your own story, your own testimonial, opinions about the show, about me, whatever is on your mind, um, I check everything and I try to reply to everything as well. Oh, and I'm trying to put up some more stuff on TikTok. So if you're on TikTok, same thing as Twitter, UA Podcast 850, putting up different uh, snippets of the show and things like that that uh, you can share along. And if nobody, you know, if there are people, um, there are people, plenty of people, you know, millions of people who haven't heard the show. Um, so feel free to share some of those clips along. Friends and family are on your own account. Uh, that's also greatly appreciated if you like what you hear. But all that said, thank you again so much for coming in here today, for listening, and for all that, uh, all the support that you've had for me and for this show. It, it really means the world to me. More coming up very soon. Stay tuned. I'll have some updates on social media to let you know what's going on. But until next time, it's Stephen Diener here, UAP Weekly Edition. Talk to you again soon. Have a good one. <laughs>